do we have uh, Rumi's son handy here? Yes. Could we have a little more light? This is the day that Shems came to Konya the first time. <coughs> so what if we open his discourses? What does he want to tell us? Two little passages. Be sure that Fred can hear you. Mm -hmm. I know. If she can hear you, then I can hear her. <laughs> if you can hear her. Souls in simplicity. O oh, Sultan, even though you must be among people, at least for an hour leave them so that they might say the king has gone to visit a dervish and then let's go to such a house that it might not be apparent which is the king and which is the dervish and then Everything is perishing except the face of God. This is not a story. This is a word. But I never want to speak it with you. Even so, you are full of mercy. Remember that day you told me, I regret I've wanted anything from you, even just sitting on a sheepskin together with you is pleasant but this is alone not an obligation those days that have passed no longer exist maybe you should read that again okay <coughs> Everything is perishing except the face of God. This is not a story. This is a word. But I never want to speak it with you. Even so, you are full of mercy. Remember that day you told me, I regret that I've wanted anything from you, even just sitting on a sheepskin together with you is pleasant but this is alone not an obligation those days that have passed no longer exist and then there's one more that seems to want to be shared called bright silence as Mevlana said if we speak words with the maturity of our power, 
it will be received in a more pleasant way. Words spoken, taking heed from the heart, spirit, and meaning are more pleasant, but sometimes they can be misleading. So let me be silent, that is better. He answered, if you are silent, your speech becomes brighter because both the light of silence and the value of speech are hidden within silence. Would you comment on the middle one? Hmm. Um, it follows right after the part about um, you know, the king going to visit the dervish and then being in a place where it's not apparent who's the king and who's the dervish. And um, you know, we, we have that whole story that we share about Sultan Salim. I won't go there right this minute, but the next one following on that, it it's also a reminder of the time together of Mevlana and Shams and um, that sense of not wanting anything else, just being together, sitting together, um, the beauty in that and um, side by side in contemplation because we have also just before it this passage about the silence and the brightness of the silence and even without words um, and it's not um, an obligation but a love and alone our lives are on loan from God um, and we, as it said in the Quran, you know, who will give a, a goodly loan, you know, giving our lives back? Um, so that recognition that everything is passing, as he says at the end, um, except the face of God, that becomes more apparent when we sit together as we just were sitting. You know in the silence. In a way, these words are silence. Compared to other words, compared to what could be talked about in the name of religion, in the name of politics, in the name of whatever, 
the simplicity of Rumi and Sham sitting together and that just being enough mm. says really says something beautiful and important they weren't speculating on the nature of sin or the rewards of heaven they had entered a another state silently read the first selection read it to yourself and then read it to us who spread their wings. While I am dwelling with you somewhere on earth, I am coursing above the seventh sphere like Saturn. It's not I that is sitting beside you, but a shadow cast from a bird that flies above thought. Because I have passed beyond thoughts and have become a swift traveler farther on. I am the ruler of thought, not ruled by it, because the builder is ruler over the building. All creatures who are ruled by thought are aching in heart and mired in sorrow. I yield myself to thought purposefully, but when I will, I spring up for a moment. I am a soaring hawk. Thought is just a net. How should a gnat have power over me? I come down from those high currents for the sake of those who need me. But when disgust at the coarseness of this lowly world seizes me, I soar up like the birds who spread their wings, not with feathers that have been glued on, but with these wings that have grown from my essence.
So, Shem's came to Konya today. words uh, of this meeting are silence as compared to other words. The sohbet of Shems and Nerlana was a great silence that revealed not only the beauty and meaningfulness of silence, but also the beauty and meaningfulness of words, which can only be appreciated in contrast to silence and those meaningful words that emerge out of silence. The training of the dervish is called Sedri Suluk. It's what begins when you cross the threshold of this house which is not a house, it's a durga. For we crossed that threshold about six years ago, almost exactly. Um, so, the Sedri Suluk of today, for better or worse, is somewhat impromptu and spontaneous. In our tradition, we had a thousand and one days training and you entered and you were in it for a thousand and one days. Unless you came back late one night and then you had to start all over again. Um, but that's just a detail. Our Sarisuluk is, as I said, uh, it's different for different times who hear could give a thousand and one days for this training, you know. And usually it was young people, anyway. But the important thing here is what was learned in Seder Saluk. Was it uh, consuming information? Was it you know, learning rituals and, uh, and outer practices and arts? And other skills, yes, it was that, but not primarily that, or not most importantly that. Because those things are also learned in life, in everyday life. I was reflecting on uh, the difference between, and how can I say this diplomatically um, and unoffensively? The difference between a scholar of Sufism and someone who has actually been engaged in Sehri Suluk, I won't even say completed it. And the completion of Sehri Suluk is a whole other subject. What qualifies for that completion? Usually it is the Sheikh, a mature sheikh in a living tradition that evaluates whether someone has completed their suluk. Sedri suluk means the journey of the seeker, of seekers. And um, it's the curriculum, to put it in more mundane terms. It's the spiritual curriculum. 
but it is interesting sometimes to um, to see how much information and even knowledge of a certain type one can have without having the most important ingredient which is what's being talked about in what you just read It's those wings that open up from your essence. It's that self-awareness, which is not self-consciousness. Self-consciousness is crippling. It's like worrying about, oh, gee, how do I appear? Am I doing? What do I? How do I seem? Am I doing it right? And thinking about how do other people see me? To be self-aware is none of that. And to be self-aware is to know when you're talking that you are talking and why you're talking and that you're also listening while you're talking, for instance. So it's a level of awareness that takes us out of the prison of our habitual thinking and habitual emotions habitual desires, all of those <clears throat> aspects of the nafs that when you're in them, you're completely blind that to the fact that you're in them. And so what the tradition wants for us is to free us from that prison. Because It's tragic, it's a sad story to be in that prison and not to know it. In some ways it's merciful not to know it, but not really because the you pay the consequences of it. You accrue the karma of it. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? What about unconscious behavior, un lack of awareness of yourself, how you conduct your relationships. Uh, do you have an addiction to attention? Do you have you know, a need for approval? Do you have a need to be right? Do you, need to, you have a need to feel that you have the truth? Things like this. And, and worse, those are, the, uh, those are the sins of the dervish. Those are not the sins of... Uh, you know, the criminal. Um, you know, the sin of the dervish is a moment of forgetfulness. You know, the sin of the criminal is murder. Um, so this extra something is described so beautifully what Juan just read. It's very precise. It's a very comprehensive description. Uh, a very accurate metaphysical description of the situation of a multidimensional being. <laughs> when he tells the story, he says people are running around, like hunters are running around, shooting 
at the shadows of birds. <laughs> Not knowing the birds, the real birds are up in the sky. That's the metaphysical deception. So let's hear it one more time, Juan. A little louder, if I may ask. The birds who spread their wings. <coughs> While I am dwelling with you somewhere on earth, I am coursing above the seventh sphere, like Saturn. It's not I that is sitting beside you, but a shadow cast from a bird that flies above thought. Because I have passed beyond thoughts and have become a swift traveler farther on. I am the ruler of thought, not ruled by it. Because the builder is ruler over the building. All creatures who are ruled by thought are aching in heart and mired in sorrow. I yield myself to thought purposefully. But when I will, I spring up from among them. I am a soaring hawk. Thought is just a gnat. How should a gnat have power over me? I come down from those high currents for the sake of those who need me. But when disgust at the coarseness of this lowly world seizes me, I soar up like the birds who spread their wings, not with feathers that have been glued on, but with these wings that have grown from my essence. So, Pastor and Sarah, we were saying, this is, today is the day that Shams came to Konya. That was the beginning of Mevlana's Seri Suluk. You know the term Seri Suluk? It's the journey of the seekers. It is the curriculum. It is the program of transformation in Dervish. We've been talking about what that is. Um, because it's a training of the essence, like in the last line, an essence that opens its wings an essence that uh, moves into a space beyond thought. For it, thought is just a gnat. And that state is a falcon or eagle. And the difference between a scholar and a dervish is precisely this dimension. Sivri Saluk is the journey of opening this dimension in experience so that there's something more than one's nafs speaking, acting, something more, something beyond the prison of habitual thinking, desiring, reacting. Not that those things completely end They are modified, transformed, qualified by this state, which is um, 
stay closer to Allah as opposed to a state entirely constructed and bounded by the nafs. And in this process of this development, it should become quite tangible and we should be able to observe in ourselves the differences between that imprisonment and that openness of being. And because it's only in that openness of being that there's freedom. And freedom to also um, affect one's character, one's service, uh, do something about one's typical weaknesses and chief features. And much of this is through the seeing itself, more than through moralizing or scaring yourself by the punishments of hell, or worse yet, social shame. So, what's remarkable about this little selection here from the Masnavi? What, what rings true? What can you identify as being, you might say, objective knowledge about what we're talking about? Just to bring our attention to it, even in a simple way, pointing it, saying the words, paraphrasing the words saying, yes, I understand this line. I've experienced something like this. I think I know what he's talking about. Do we? Muni? Is it a line that speaks to me because of my own condition? Is the last, the second last line so, uh, I saw it like, but the disgust of the coarseness of this very world seizes me. I saw it like the birds who spread their wings. Yes. Not with feathers that have been glued on, yeah. but with these wings that have grown from my essence. Because my experience in life so far with me is as a bird whose feathers have been glued on and every time when it counts, they fall. Um, so that resonates with me. <coughs> um, when it really matters, where does one stand? Where does one fall um, when it counts for life in general, not in just any particular situation. All those things you were talking about, actions out of social shame, actions out of uh, guilt, actions out of reward and punishment, um, that's a bird with feathers that have been glued on. Right. 
so we do fall and we will fall. And the question might be for the dervishes, how do you fall? How are you when you fall? Because even in that falling is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to not be gluing on more wings. <laughs> it's an opportunity, and sometimes it is the cause, the reason you begin to exercise the true wings of your essence. Thank you. I think of reading about the spiritual path as those feathers that my root on, you know, they read all of these wonderful you know, books and thoughts and descriptions, but they're absolutely useless. <laughs> you know. <coughs> Actually you know, need to get off the ground if you know good at all. And that's fine when there's, when you have the sevisuluk, when you are engaged in that process. Have some idea of what it is, what its practice is, even in a small way, how to, how to practice it. So sometimes it's just like, he gives really simple examples. Sometimes it's just like there's two kinds of vision. I could be looking at that rose. I could be entirely focused on that rose. And that's good to do sometimes. I really just want to focus on the rose. And then, then, but simultaneously, I can also widen my field of awareness to include everything around just a subtle shift. I'm talking in visual terms, but think of it in consciousness terms. Another example. Become aware of your breath right now. Do you know, do you know that you are? That you exist, that you're here. That you're not just, you know, machines of your thought turning. I hope, I pray that in the few words that I speak, I don't cause too much of that machine-like activity in your brains. I really try not to stimulate that. <laughs> That's why we like to have some intellectual clarity about, as much as possible, we like to have intellectual clarity about what we're talking about, so we're not, the intellect doesn't get confused. Then we can move beyond the intellect and into that space of being, into just being aware. We're here, we're breathing, we're enlivened by the Ruh Allah. And look, there's a beautiful saying. Uh, Camille, would you read that one more time, the sitting together from Shams? We opened at random, but Shams just came to call you. 
He's here. This is Kamiya. Everything is perishing except the face of God. This is not a story. This is a word, but I never want to speak it with you. Even so, you are full of mercy. Remember that day you told me, I regret that I've wanted anything from you. Even just sitting on a sheepskin together with you is pleasant. But this is a loan, not an obligation. Those days that have passed no longer exist. So this, can we say, Camille, that this is Shem speaking about Rumi? And to Rumi. And to Rumi. And he's quoting Rumi, mm-hmm. who said, let's hear it again. I regret that I've wanted anything from you, even just sitting on a sheepskin together with you is pleasant. Well, one might say, pleasing, radia, mardia, nafs. <laughs> soul that is pleased and pleasing to God. about silence. Mm-hmm. Let's hear those. Bright silence. As Mevlana said, if we speak words with the maturity of our power, it will be received in a more pleasant way. Words spoken, taking heed from the heart, spirit, and meaning are more pleasant, but sometimes they can be misleading. So let me be silent, that is better. He answered, if you are silent, your speech becomes brighter because both the light of silence and the value of speech are hidden within silence. So Shems is first of all saying that there is a way to speak which he must have known very well where words as communication are connected to that state, to that inner reality. That's the only thing really worth speaking about. 
but even those words can sometimes cause confusion. So sometimes, it can't be always, because we need the words to, but sometimes you can go past the words into the silence, <coughs> and the silence will contain the meaning of the words, will convey the state, the hall. both ways in that also when you read these words but yet we all sense that it's not the words but the spirit that's infused mm -hmm. in the words so they in turn take us to the meaning of the silence mm -hmm. in the same way that it can go either way yes yes because that's because the silence is in the words. <laughs> All these many centuries later, the hall of Shem's is in the, the words of Shem. The translation and everything, yet it's still infused with that same, mm. same essence. It's, it's, it's almost like when I read this, it's like this is our natural state. Mm. And it's these other things that can even very subtly short circuit that and cut us off. You know, we talked about the, the nafs and these, these things, but even those are, can be rather coarse compared to sometimes it seems, though, and I guess this is a question, but it seems that, like we were reading on Monday about how um, people's intentions that Allah will destroy them and helps us to come closer to Him or whatever. But it's almost as though as soon as this thought, whatever it be, entered, and it might even not even have to do with um, pride or ego or nafs or, or it might be just as if, but it in itself can, again, short circuit that reality. <coughs> is natural to us to be in this place. Right. <clears throat> the words are like saying, uh, my friend, you have a thorn in your foot. I know you're hurting. You have a thorn in your foot. Let me pull the thorn out. Okay, now it's out. Feel better? Now let's go to the third um, poem. Mustafa, would you read to us? <clears throat> Soaking the fire of love, the vision of God looks into the heart to see whether there is some modesty there, no matter what your words sound like because the heart is what matters. Speech is secondary. The essence is what's real. So what is secondary matters less. 
How long must I keep telling this story? I want burning, burning. Become intimate with that burning. Light up a bonfire of love in your soul. Burn up thought and speech. O oh Moses, those who know the right way are of one kind. But they whose souls and spirits burn are of another sort. So what we were saying earlier about an analysis of the nafs and the prison of habitual thought and desires and reactions uh, is a kind of clunky description of a reality that we have to all face and deal with in order to get out of that prison. And then we had the example of the high-flying bird in the first poem, um, rising up out of ourselves into the great space of being, which is an act of awareness. And now we go a step further, and he's asking the impossible of us, maybe. Or he's asking a lot of us. Asking us to burn. at least acquainting us with the idea that such a thing is possible. And then Munib, would you read the one above, The Light of Moses? <coughs> oh, we go back, you have to go to the... Yeah starts on in the first column. Keep focusing on the light. The mention of Moses has tied up your thoughts. You think these are stories that happened a long time ago. Talking about Moses is a mask. The light of Moses is your real concern. Moses and Pharaoh are both within you. You need to look for these two adversaries within yourself. The birthing from Moses continues until the resurrection. Even though each lamp may seem different, the light is the same. This clay lamp and its wick may appear to be different, but the light isn't. 
comes from beyond. If you keep looking at the glass of the lamp, you'll be lost. Because it's from the glass that multiplicity is seen. Keep focusing on the light so that you will be free of duality and the multiplicity of colors of this limited time. quickly and simply we're getting an insight into how Mevlana read the Quran he wasn't concerned even with prophets as historical figures and look at he lived seven centuries ago our faith doesn't depend on anything historical that in terms of the revelation there's no pr proof that the prophet David existed. Jewish scholars would be very happy to find that there was a King David. No, no evidence yet. But David is within us. Solomon is within us. Moses and Pharaoh especially are within us. Different prophets come. The sun rises on Monday. Let's say it's Abraham. The sun rises on Tuesday. Let's say it's David. The sun rises on Wednesday. Let's say it's Solomon. Sun rises on Thursday. Let's say it's Jesus. Sun rises on Friday. Let's say it's Muhammad. Peace be upon him. Keep focusing on the light so you'll be free of duality and the multiplicity of colors of this limited body. <clears throat> 